Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Pirelli tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. I am up in the Sirius XM Studios here in Washington, D.C. for this morning's show. I hope all of you are having a fantastic Thursday, wherever you may go. I had a fun day yesterday. I was walking all over uh, D.C., and I went to college up here at uh, George Washington University, and uh, I'm speaking on a uh, campus there's like uh, on campus today when i finished the show there's like 800 college kids up here or high school kids up here for a uh, a big event and i don't know how often you guys get to go back to places you might have gone to school but it's a pretty uh nostalgic experience i'm starting to get to be an old man i'm 39 now and so it was almost uh it was over 20 years ago just a little bit that i started college up here it's amazing when you walk around in Washington, D.C., how much this city has boomed uh, from a sports complex and a sports position and everything else. Um, yeah, I spent a lot of time, like I said, walking around all over this city. And when I was up here, for those of you who have been to D.C. before, and D.C. gets a rap, I think, as a bad sports town because there's so many people who are uh, from different parts of the country, right? They come here and they continue to root for their own local teams even though they move in here and there's not necessarily that many people who are uh, you know local to uh, certainly the the DC area specifically i mean it's just a very transient population a lot uh, awesome place to uh, to spend time but the washington redskins are the straw that stirs the drink here in in this market everybody cares about the redskins quite a bit but i was here and my first year they opened up the new downtown arena and i do think there's a lot of talk about what's the impact of sports on a community and what are the overall benefits and drawbacks from money that can be spent on new facilities, new stadiums, new arenas. 
the arena that they built in downtown D.C. has to be one of the best success stories in the history of public and team sponsorships to build arenas. Now, the Wizards play there, and that's not a success story. But the Wizards have never been very good. So uh, going all the way back to the Chris Webber, Juwan Howard days when you thought, hey, there's no doubt that this team's going to be eventually really good. They played the Jordan-era Bulls back in the day, and uh, and Jordan said, hey, I think this team's going to be pretty good. Rod Strickland, everything fell apart after that. And the Wizards have never really been very good, even now in the days with John Wall and Bradley Beal and everybody else. Uh, the Caps finally won a championship for the first time in a quarter century to win a championship for the D.C. area. And both the Caps and the Wizards play in their arena. I got to tell you, I have been all over the country for places where they have built arenas and seen you know, the idea and the impact of a downtown arena. I'm not sure there's anywhere in the country that has seen more revitalization, that has seen more of a growth area around their arena. If you're in D.C. for the summer, if you bring your kids up here, I, I mean, I remember going to games. It was called the MCI Center now. Then, what is it now, the Verizon Center? Everybody changes names a bunch of different times. But you used to be worried about walking around that arena late at night. I mean, there was nothing there. You couldn't go get a beer. You couldn't go go, go to a sports bar and watch other games. And now it's almost become the center of the D.C. entertainment nightlife and I think it's just a great example of what team partnerships with a city when it's very forward thinking back in the day uh, Abe Poland I believe was the owner of the Wizards who made that decision that I'm going to build this arena and uh, 20 years later when I'm walking around in DC the amount of change in a generation in this city is pretty staggering and I think the Wizards and the Caps have been a big part of that change because they bought into the idea of coming back into downtown D.C. and putting down roots, and I think the city has certainly benefited as a result. So it's an awesome experience to get to walk around, go all over the venues that where you went to, uh, to to college and just walk around the same streets, the same buildings, a lot of changes. Uh, again, George Washington University, I'm speaking later uh, today as soon as we finish the show, so that's why I'm up here in D.C. Now, that's kind of what's going on with me. Uh, what's going on with the NFL? There's a couple of clips that I thought were outstanding, and I want to start with the fun one. And by the way, giving you a roadmap where we're headed, we're going to talk to Peter Schrager, Good Morning Football, and uh, the NFL Network, also sidelines for Fox Sports with NFL training camps opening back up. He's going to join us here in the next segment in a few minutes. But uh, I want to get his read on this. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, of course, went out with porn star Kari Maria. Uh, not Kari Maria. I think that's the the, the girl from the challenge uh, and road rules. Uh, something like that, right? Kiara Mara. Kiara Maria or something. Anyway, her name's not really that important. Although her her traffic on the internet went up, I think, 38,000% after she dated uh, Jimmy G. He was asked about it. I want you guys to listen to this, and then uh, let's break down. Here's the clip of Jimmy G asked about taking a porn star out to dinner. Life is different now. Um, my life uh, off the field, I've never really been big on, you know, uh, being very public with things, you know, even social media. I'm not out there a ton, but... Uh, you know, my life's looked at differently. I'm under a microscope, and it's like Kyle said, it is a good learning experience. Uh, just have to take it in stride. I mean, it is what it is. All right, he said it's a good learning experience. Is that is that when you go out with a porn star, the most, like, did he win something by getting that phrase in there, or was it totally innocent? I want to pull the people in the, in the studio quickly out in L.A. 
totally innocent statement or was he was he gigging everybody by saying <laughs> going out with a porn star was a great learning experience totally innocent uh it's so much better if he gigged them on purpose all right danny g's totally innocent what about you uh justin cooper <laughs> Because I know uh, Coop has done a lot of extensive research on extensive her. Extensive research on her. He's part of the 38%, 38,000% that her internet traffic has increased since they went out. Well, I don't know. I mean, if it's probably no coincidence that she usually plays a mom, so there's a lot of teaching going on, I'm sure. MILF, MILF Central. Uh, what about you, Roberto? Is that an intentional statement, or do you think he just – I mean, because when I heard that, I was like, my God, that's such I think a perfect it was intentional. statement. I think it was intentional. Yeah, I, I feel like it – I don't know. If it's not intentional, then it just makes me question Jimmy G even more because you know what's going to – like, you have that kind of scripted out, and you deadpan that. I think it's an awesome line to drop out. All right, the other controversy surrounding the NFL uh, continues, right? Jerry Jones came out and had to address the anthem controversy because it's never going to go away. Here's what Jerry Jones said about the anthem controversy. His interest in what we're doing is problematic from my chair and uh, I would say in general the owner's chair. Unprecedented if you really think about it. But uh, like the very game itself, that's the way it is and uh, we'll deal with it. We feel uh, strongly about uh, uh, how we deal with it and uh, uh, we'll do so accordingly. But uh, uh, yes, I'd like... Uh, Everybody would like for it to go away. That's Jerry Jones, obviously, when he said uh, it's unprecedented. He's talking about the president of the United States. Obviously, I'm here in D.C. and Donald Trump's uh, involvement in continuing to uh, tweet about and talk about the NFL's anthem policy. So that's Dallas Cowboy owner Jerry Jones who was asked about it. And he basically said, look, Dallas Cowboys have a policy. You stand for the national anthem. And uh, we'll see whether that gets any more attention or people are just, uh, like I said, ready for this story to be gone. And Jerry Jones is basically telling you what his policy is as an owner. And uh, either you can agree with it or disagree with it. So far, we haven't had any Dallas Cowboys disagreeing with it uh, in uh, in public in any way. All right, we're going to talk next with my guy Peter Schrager at P. Schrager's on uh, Twitter. He's going to join us, NFL Network, uh, Fox sideline reporter. We will talk with him about both these stories and also the uh, NFL training camp starting, who he's confident in and who he's not confident in, all that and more. I'm Clay Travis, live from D.C. It's the Geico Outkick Studios here on Fox Sports Radio. Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Uh, I'm Clay Travis. I'll kick the coverage. We are joined now by my guy, Peter Schrager. Uh, he is on the NFL Network. Good morning, football. Sidelines for Fox Sports at P. Schrager's on Twitter, I believe. And as you move into the start of the NFL training camp season, Peter Schrager, what are the two or three stories that you think every NFL fan should be paying attention to? Is it Andrew Luck's health? Is it uh, the quarterback situation with uh, all of the four, I think, new first-round draft picks who may potentially have a chance to play? What's out there that you are paying particular attention to? My man, Clay, uh, two things I like, and this is not uh, one of the – every, every team has cool storylines. Every team – it should have every hope to go to the Super Bowl. After last year, we saw the Jaguars go to the AFC Championship game and the Eagles go to the Super Bowl. So this is why I think the NFL is better than the NBA. Right now in August and July, every team is alive and you can make the argument. To me, two storylines that I love. One of them is Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. And I feel like I'm going to try to be in on the indie band before it gets huge. Yes. Or, you know, like this kid, I'm hearing stuff from my Kansas City guy saying, this kid throws the ball like, Few quarterbacks anyone's ever seen throw a football. Now, you guys obviously saw him in the Big 12 and the numbers he put up at Texas Tech. 
But if, if he's that good, that they're willing to tell Alex Smith, not only you know are we good that we're going to trade you away. This wasn't a situation where Alex Smith was a free agent. It was like I'll sign someone else. They traded him away because they had to find a way to get Patrick Mahomes on the field. Andy Reid's in the twilight of his coaching career, I would think. This is a cool mix, and they're so good and young, the Chiefs. So I'm excited for that because for all the rookie quarterbacks, you've got a second-year quarterback who they basically mortgage the franchise and say, hey, it's all yours. And then the other one is Gruden. I think Gruden's a cool storyline. I think he's going to bring something to the league, and I think the Raiders are a national fan base, and they instantly get better with him as coach over Jack Del Rio. So Gruden and Mahomes, I know it's AFC West and it's very early in the morning right now, but those are two little storylines that aren't getting a lot of love nationally. All right, what about the four quarter? I think it's fair to say Lamar Jackson may have uh, some some packages that are put in for him, but unless something happens to Joe Flacco, the odds of him playing uh, in, a, in a substantive way are pretty low. What about the other four guys? Um, Josh Rosen seems to be the most ready to start day one. Does he win that Arizona Cardinals job, and what do you think happens with the other three first-round draft picks? He might win the job. I think they really like Rosen, but I think it's uh... – it would be more Bradford losing the job. It's Bradford's job for now until Rosen takes it, and I do think Rosen gets on the field at some point. Josh Allen hasn't gotten to camp yet. This is an interesting one because when we're talking about rookie minicamp, I know a lot of guys up in Buffalo who are saying that this guy throws the ball like Joe Flacco throws the ball when Joe Flacco was throwing the ball 80 yards and all that. So he might have a shot, but A.J. McCarron is likely the one there. The one to watch, to me, is what's going to happen with Sam Darnold in New York because – McCown is a really well-liked guy and a solid quarterback, and then Bridgewater has been turning heads as well. you got to get Darnold on the field, though, I think. If you're a coach in Todd Bowles going into year number three, you went 6-10 and ten the first two years. Like You need to have some sort of flash or you're going into next year. So it's going to be interesting. I don't think any of them, and I, and I mean this in, on July, whatever we're at, I don't think any of them start week one, which is kind of an anomaly considering what we've had in recent years. What's going to happen with Andrew Luck? Is he going to be back 100% healthy, or is this going to drag on uh, into the training camp season as to whether or not he's able to actually play? I have such caution with this because I was burned last year. Um, Chris Bauer, the GM, said that he wasn't going to start the, the summer on PUP last year. And then Pagano, who's become a friend, really, and Chuck uh, said last year, 10 days before their week one game, that he was going to start week one against the Rams, and he didn't take a snap, didn't throw a pass, and it's from the same lingering injury. So apparently he's saying right now he can air it out, and he is airing it out behind closed doors. But it's what's the saying when, like, you've got a friend who, you know, talks a lot about the girls and the conquest, almost like, let me see a picture. Like, I need to yeah. see it to believe it. Like, okay, like, we get it, buddy. Yeah, you're such a stud, but let's see it. That's how I kind of feel with Andrew Luck. And it's not because I don't believe he's telling the truth. It's because I've been burned by this before, and, Week one, it's going to be 617 days since we've last seen Andrew Luck throw a pass on an NFL field, which is a lot. And you think about the modern science and the way these guys get healthy and all the different routes they take to get healthy, that to me is just a giant red flag. And when he's healthy, and I know it's a huge if, when he's healthy and if he is healthy, there might be no better quarterback in the NFL. But i got to be patient. Everyone jumps the gun on these things. I want to be patient with Andrew Luck. You just mentioned uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars making the AFC championship game and honestly giving the Patriots everything they could handle in that title game. Who's a team this year that you think could have a Jags-like jump? Is there somebody you're watching and you think, man, fans of this team should be excited? I know it's July. Lots can go awry. And you mentioned the the great thing about the NFL is I think it sells hope more than and better than just about any pro sports league in the entire country. What team or teams do you have your eye on? That's the thing, Clay. You can literally take a dart 
and just throw it at the wall, and no one can tell you you're wrong. So if I said the Bengals could make a leap, I can make the case. That, and, I, and I do feel that they're going to be better. I, I started the show talking about Mahomes. I think the Chiefs might be really good this year. I think the Chiefs might be really exciting this year. I, I don't think Alex Smith held them back. I think he was a more than competent quarterback and had some great numbers. I just think we're going to get three to four highlights from this quarterback. We're all going to get on board, and they have so much young talent whether it be Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, or their addition, Sammy Watkins. I-, I am so excited to see what the Chiefs do with this new quarterback under center because I feel like they were a 5-10 to 10 yard team last year, and now you're going to open it up and be able to let Andy Reid do his thing. They could either be 5-11 and 11 or they can go 13-3, and three, but they're a team that I'm excited to see. What are you hearing about LaShawn McCoy? Uh, there's always negative stories as you come into training camp, and that story seems to have died down a little bit. Uh, what is your expectation, obviously, in Buffalo with the uncertainty at the quarterback position? Uh, you could argue that his uh, status as the running back there and the most reliable offensive weapon matters even more. What's the latest? Yeah, I mean, they have a new, they have new quarterbacks, obviously, and then you go, they don't have Eric Wood, they don't have uh, Richie Incognito. There's a lot of changes there with McCoy. You know, the team has said that they're looking into it. The league says they're doing an investigation. My thing is this, and I feel like it's uh, it's an interesting road for the league because the Jameis Winston case, and I know you've had your takes and a lot of people have, and everyone's weighed in on the stupidity of being in that car, and that's fine. But that Jameis Winston case, there was no criminal investigation. The Buccaneers, from what I gather, and Jameis' people don't know what the NFL got. It wasn't really released to them. And it was kind of like, all right, we're going to give him a three-game suspension. If he apologizes, he did apologize, not exactly for anything. It's kind of like we're navigating in this world of the unknown with the NFL with some of these issues. So with McCoy, you know, we we get the story initially, and everyone rushes to judgment on Twitter because that's just the age we're in. He comes out, and, you know, they say this, whatever. Okay, but the question is, did did he do it? Did he not do it? Like, I don't... I don't know where this goes from here. And so now he said, okay, it's kind of gotten kind of quiet. Well, what does that mean? And does that, if he did do this, then I don't want to see him ever take the field. But if he didn't do this, I feel like he deserves to take the field. So you're going to do an investigation of the costume investigation. This is where it gets murky. And I feel like the NFL, if they're going to take matters into their own hands and investigate these things, there needs to be a thorough process in doing so. And in the meantime, these guys, we saw Ezekiel Elliott last year. We are seeing Jameis now. Like, this could go down a road where, all right, we're just wait and see, and then if it's wait and see, it, it's it's the entire season, and then this guy's name is in the. It's very interesting, and I think the NFL has this issue when baseball and basketball and other sports don't seem to have it, and more than the anthem issue, I feel like the NFL needs to get this issue in hand as well. Yeah, I, I disagree all the time with the idea that they should be doing their own internal investigations. All right, you just hinted at it. Is this going to go away this year, the anthem issue? I saw Jerry Jones come out, uh, and I, and we started off the show. I said, look, I mean, I, I'm fine with Jerry Jones telling us exactly what he thinks. He's a business owner, and he's made his case pretty straightforwardly. I don't think it's going to get that much blowback because if you just come out and say, this is our rule, I think people have to deal with it. Uh, what is going to happen? Is it going to get resolved? It's not going to be resolved because the president has – the pulpit and the president is going to be going through midterm elections and he is, this is right in the heart of football season. So yep. um, I don't see it being resolved necessarily. The question is how does the NFL handle it and how do the NFL players handle it? Right now they seem like to be sort of on the same page. There seems to be some sort of uh, uniform response where they're working on things together to figure this out. But no, I don't think it's going away anytime soon. And 
I, I don't necessarily um, have a take on it either way at the moment because I feel like it's going to change from tomorrow to the next day and everything. So as long as Jerry Jones is talking and that someone else is talking, like the story continues to change. The narrative is going to continue to change. And the original reason for Kaepernick's protest and the original you know reason for the NFL owners to support certain things, like, that's been so lost. So it's a moving target, and I, and I think it's going to be something that the NFL is going to have to grapple with the entire season. Peter Schrager, NFL Network, as well as Fox on sidelines. Good morning, football. For people who haven't watched your show on the NFL Network, you guys have got great momentum. Tell them why they should. It's the good morning show. It's the one that's good. Put it on. <laughs> no, uh, Clay, I always appreciate your support. It's it's awesome, and uh, we're rocking. This is our third season. We're just starting. Like We had a whole Christmas theme yesterday because every team is back at training camp, and if you know from doing sports radio in June and July, and I guess you talk NBA, so it's different, but we were talking NFL in June when the teams weren't even there, and now there's things to talk about, and we're so excited. Outstanding stuff. Go follow him on Twitter at P. Schrager. He's Peter Schrager. Uh, good luck with the show today, my man. Appreciate you getting up early Thank with you, us. Thank you, brother. You're the man. Yeah, that uh, he does great work. They have a great show. Good Morning Football uh, is the show. It's on the NFL Network, and if you love the NFL, they are all over the NFL every single morning, and this is when uh, the NFL season, I feel like, uh, with everybody coming back for training camp, it is like Christmas morning. Everybody is so excited, and uh, there's a great deal of uh, belief that this can be your team's year. And the NFL, I think Schrager's right about that. I mean, the NFL sells hope better than any other popular league in America. It's better than the NBA, where there are three teams that can win a title. It's better than Major League Baseball, where ultimately you have to play 162 games. So by and large, your team's overall talent is going to reveal itself. It's not very often that a team goes from winning 60 in Major League Baseball to winning 100. You know, that that swing is almost unheard of, whereas it's not uncommon at all for a team in the NFL to go from 4-12 and to 12-4. and uh, NHL, okay, but we kind of have a good sense for who the teams are going to be. It's a little bit more erratic. I like the NHL when it gets to the playoffs. College football, uh, there's 15 or 20 teams that if everything went well could win a title, and that's 120 in D1, so a lot of teams don't have a chance. College basketball, it tends to be the usual suspects, the top 10 or 12 seeded teams. NFL, hell, the Eagles came out of nowhere last year, and so did the Jags. We almost had an Eagles-Jags Super Bowl which would have been, I don't know, paying off at 200 to 1 odds probably or better if you had just been out there sitting around trying to sketch out which teams are going to end up playing uh, for the championship. Uh, but let me go ahead and bring in Eddie Garcia. Let me find out what's shaking. And then we got some good audio for you from Bill Belichick, who uh, went toe to toe with a reporter as the Patriots returned to camp. God bless Belichick and his uh, and his uh, monosyllabic uh, answers. But what you got for me, Eddie Garcia? Well, let's start with a little more NFL. The Atlanta Falcons announced that star wide receiver Julio Jones will report to training camp later today. The two sides have reportedly agreed to a revised contract that adjusts his 2018 salary. Indianapolis Colts head coach Frank Reich says that quarterback Andrew Luck will play in the team's preseason opener against the Seahawks on August the 9th. Of course, Luck missed all of last year with that shoulder injury. Some baseball of note, Phillies over the Dodgers 7-3. Philadelphia now has a game and half lead on Atlanta atop the NL East. Cubs over the Diamondbacks 2-1. Arizona still a half game back of LA for first in the NL West, and they fall a half game back of Atlanta for that final 
wildcard spot in the National League. Brewers fall to the National 7-3. Milwaukee is two and a half back of Chicago now in the NL Central race. Mariners over the Giants 3-2 and the A's edge the Rangers 6-5. So Seattle still has a game and athlete on Oakland for the final wildcard spot in the American League. This report brought to you by True Car Online Car, Online Car Shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Now back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. It is indeed the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. We are live here in Washington, D.C. this morning. My thanks to SiriusXM for hosting us here. Awesome studios uh, in the middle part of our nation's capital. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Bill Belichick had his uh, opening press conference, and you know it's always fun to hear Bill Belichick do these press conferences because his goal is to give you as little information as possible. And sometimes reporters need a little bit more information. This is what it sounded like. Let's let's go ahead and dive in. What about the fact that everywhere we go, folks want to ask about Malcolm Butler? I mean, sports coaches, players, university, you're a sports fan. Yeah, we've is talked it, about that. That's multiple months ago. Is there going to be any more explanation about why he didn't play? Focused on training camp. Would you do it any differently? Training camp? Well, we're, no. just, we're getting started. We're working on that right now. We'll do the best we can. And, and does it matter to you? Do you care that the fans want to know more about this? I'm focused on doing the best that I can for the 2018 New England Patriots. That's my job. That's what I'm going to do. And That's what I've always done in the past. You know, every day that I've coached here, I've done the best that I could for this football team, and I'll continue to do that. And right now my focus is on the 2018 season. Not 2017, not 2014, not 2007, not 2004, not 2001, not 2000. I'm not focused on any of those seasons. They're done. And for this season, for this season's team, is it important for you to address the Malcolm Butler thing with your team? It's important for me to have a good season in 2018. I'm going to do everything I can to do that. Got to give props. Is that Dan O'Shaughnessy, whoever the reporter was there that was grilling uh, Bill Belichick? because there still does need to be an answer about what happened with Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler is now signed a free agent deal with the Tennessee Titans. He's moved on. He's gotten paid. Uh, But it's still a really strange story that given the degree to which the Eagles and Nick Foles lit up the New England Patriot defense in the final game of the season in the Super Bowl, we still don't have a resolution about why in the world Malcolm Butler didn't play. And I feel as if the Tom Brady not showing up for training camp and the Rob Gronkowski, is he going to be traded? Is he going to retire? What's his health going to be? All of those situations kind of overshadowed what still remains the biggest story coming out of the Super Bowl. So uh, props to O'Shaughnessy there for, uh, and by the way, how perfect is a uh, Boston-based area New England Patriots reporter whose name is O'Shaughnessy? I mean, it's absolutely perfect that that would be the uh, the grilling situation we got going on. I want to bring in the crew with uh, NFL training camps officially kind of underway and get an early read on a team that you are optimistic about that maybe is a little bit under the radar compared to everybody else. So we had Peter Schrager on already from the NFL Network, and I know it's early in uh, in the process and injuries can happen and, and and that's one of the scary things about training camp and the preseason in general is that you've got a lot of games that don't really matter at all where guys have to get back in shape and all that can happen is somebody can get injured I feel like that's the danger zone of NFL training camp and also the preseason in general is that nothing 
is is going to go well. And by the way, we have got a game, an actual NFL preseason game. This is one of those things when you get close for what we do. It's like the long the NBA finals end, and then you stretch across the long summer, and you just like it's like walking across a desert to get to football season. On August second, Thursday, a week from today, one week from today, we will officially have a preseason game in the Hall of Fame game up in Canton. The Bears and the Ravens will be playing. And that's a pretty remarkably good feeling to have, to have those two teams getting ready uh, to, uh, to to roll out the, uh, the balls and officially get the season underway. So to me, I, I think there's probably, there's a lot of teams that you could be interested to see. To me, well, maybe we'll do it this way. Instead of team we think we're gonna, is going to be the best, but team you're most intrigued to see. I got to be honest with you. I think for me, it's the Houston Texans because Deshaun Watson looked so great in the eight games that he played last year. And he came off the torn ACL back in college and bounced back and was sterling at Clemson. Of all the teams in the NFL that are out there that maybe, yeah, there's lots of new coaching changes, lots of new quarterback changes and everybody else. The Houston Texans had so many injuries on the defensive side of the ball. Merciless, you had J.J. Watt issues. Uh, Clowney, I think, had a little bit of an issue over the course of the season. And the quarterback position was just, they were done when Deshaun Watson went out. But when Deshaun Watson was playing, they were a different caliber of team. To me, the Houston Texans may be the most intriguing team in all of the NFL coming back this year. Now, there are other teams out there with a great deal of uncertainty. We asked Peter Schrager about this. The Colts quarterback situation with Andrew Luck is one of the strangest stories I can remember involving an elite player in the NFL in a long time. Schrager said it's going to be over 600, assuming he comes back for week one, it will have been over 600 days since Andrew Luck played quarterback for the Colts. So to me, those are two storylines out there that are really fascinating with guys who we think could be quarterbacks at incredibly high levels. You guys know if you listen to this show, my belief is, look, there's a lot of attention we play to, we pay to other positions, to coaching, to everything else. Ultimately, in the NFL, it comes down to, do you have a guy you can rely on at the quarterback position? And I think if Houston's got Deshaun Watson, who looks as good as he did in year one, that's a team coming back healthy on the defensive side of the ball that can go from 4-12 and last year to 12-4 and this year. I think they could make that swing. I don't think the Colts have the talent uh, or the offensive line still put together around Andrew Luck to be great, but they were 4-12 and last year. I think they can surge all the way back into the middle of contention. I think they could win that division if Andrew Luck were going to come back and be 100% healthy. I think the, the NFL uniquely, I'm looking at teams that came in last the Cleveland Browns, theoretically, they should be better. They were 0-16. I don't think they have a very good chance to win the uh, to win the you know the, the their division or contend at a high level in the playoffs. But I could make you a case that look, the Dolphins could be a lot better at the bottom of the AFC East. I could make you a case that if Sam Darnold comes in, the Jets, who were supposed to be woeful last year, could be a eight and eight caliber team. We'll talk about that. I'm going to bring in the crew. I'll ask them for a team that they feel comfortable could make a big swing as training camps are officially underway. Uh, I'm going to go with the Houston Texans. Go from four and twelve to playoff team. 
I think that's a big jump, uh, typically. 4-12 and the playoff team for the Houston Texans and potentially Super Bowl contender if everything came together for them and everybody stayed healthy. Who does the rest of the crew think? Well, we'll break it down. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios here in good old Washington, D.C. We are going to continue to roll hour one in uh, getting close to being in the books. Final segment up next. Who is the team that you guys, I'll pull the crew, feel could go from awful last year to playoff caliber this year? My pick, the Houston Texans. I'm Clay Travis. It's Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios. As people who love the outdoors, Bass Pro knows what they stand for. They stand for great gear, fair prices, expert service, and memorable experiences at Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. They stand together for you. We stand together with you as well here on Outkick the Coverage. And with NFL training camps officially underway, the question I'm asking, and I think it's a good one, as we are officially one week from today, we will have NFL preseason football underway. So one in a week, you've almost made it uh, from one football season to another football season. One week from today, preseason football. Which team, because you know it's going to happen. This is the great thing about the NFL. The NFL sells hope better than any other sports league in America. That your team can go from being awful to being in the mix to potentially go to the Super Bowl. There will be somebody come January that right now is going to go from last to the middle of the Super Bowl race. My pick is the Houston Texans. I think the Houston Texans at 4-12, and if Deshaun Watson comes back healthy, J.J. Watt, Whitney Merciless, all those guys come back healthy, the potential for the Houston Texans is to easily go from 4-12 and to first place in the uh, AFC South. That's my pick on a team that can go from last to first. Who is your pick, Danny G? Clay, we came back with some biggie right there because the New York Giants is my pick as far as an intriguing watch. My brother-in-law, in fact, his name is Mark. He listens to OutKick every morning in New Jersey. He's so geeked for this new season, and Saquon Barkley is the reason why. Because before the draft, he told me, Eli Manning is a bum if he doesn't have a good running back. Those were his words. So is Eli a bum? Will Saquon Barkley take that pressure off of him? And also Odell Beckham Jr., he's obviously underpaid, but he's still showing up, coming back from that ankle injury. Showed up to camp yesterday with his man purse and his loud shorts. Um, so that's that's pretty cool because the other superstars who feel they're underpaid aren't showing up to camp. So for everything bad you've heard about Odell Beckham Jr., he's still at least in the building. And then, of course, they have a new head coach in Pat Shermer. Awesome job he did for the Vikings. I think that Minnesota's really going to miss him as a coach. We'll see how he does for the Giants. So I think they have a golden opportunity to turn things around there in New York. I like that I like that case to be made and and let me just kind of unpack it a little bit more. Uh, I spent some time hanging out with James Franklin uh, during the summer uh, and he just could not rave enough about how awesome of a talent Saquon Barkley is and obviously he's been around a lot of talented guys, Penn State football coach James Franklin just in love with Saquon Barkley. And if you look at the NFL, if you were trying to sketch out a difference making back, what have we seen recently? Ezekiel Elliott goes to the Cowboys, and I know he arrives around the same time as Dak Prescott, but I think if you told Cowboy fans right now, 
uh, how confident are you in Ezekiel Elliott? They're like, man, he's he's the next, he's the modern day Emmett Smith. I mean, that's how much of a difference he's made for our offense. And I think you saw during that suspension that the Dallas Cowboys were nowhere near the same team without Ezekiel Elliott. Now, there's also a little bit of a regression from Dak Prescott in year two with the Dallas Cowboys, but I feel like Ezekiel uh, Ezekiel Elliott is as reliable on the field as anybody. Look at what happened with Blake Bortles and Leonard Fournette. The uh, they, they draft Leonard Fournette, they get everything rolling with him, and they put themselves in a position the Jacksonville Jaguars did in conjunction with that defense. I love Jalen Ramsey, but they put themselves in a position to be right on the precipice of the Super Bowl last year. And they almost went into Foxborough and pulled off an incredible upset over the Patriots to put the Jags into the Super Bowl against the uh, against the Eagles. That would have been an incredible game to watch that nobody would have predicted happening. So look at what the impact that Leonard Fournette had. Look at what happened with Todd Gurley. When the Rams came in and Sean McVay figured out the right way to use him, all of the money pouring in. Todd Gurley deserves it. I've been watching him since he was a true freshman at Georgia. Uh, just a, a, a unbelievable talent. Look at what all three of those guys did. Look at what all three of those guys did at the supposedly undervalued and not very useful anymore running back position. And certainly you can argue that Le'Veon Bell, who's playing under the franchise tag right now with the Pittsburgh Steelers, has added another dimension to Ben Roethlisberger's career as uh, Roethlisberger comes down, I think it's fair to say the home stretch of his quarterback career, having suddenly that weapon to throw the ball to out of the backfield, to be able to hand the ball off to Le'Veon Bell. I think Ben Roethlisberger certainly makes Le'Veon Bell's job easier, but I think Le'Veon Bell may make Ben Roethlisberger's job and, uh, and, and open up that offense even better. So I like the idea, if you're just following kind of the uh, the rise of the running back position and how it has altered certainly the, the, the fates of the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Rams, the Dallas Cowboys. Look at what happened with Alvin Kamara last year down in uh, with the Saints where you had a, a rookie running back come in and completely take a team to a different level. We know Eli Manning's good enough to win the Super Bowl. You get him there, he can win. To me, that I, I'm with you. I think that addition of Saquon Barkley could take the Giants from last place to first place. Uh, anybody else, uh, I'll open it up in L.A., anybody else have a team that they feel like can go last to first? Eddie, who you got? Uh, I, I, if I was going to pick some somebody, I would go with San Francisco, although I do like your Texans pick a lot. But uh, obviously Garoppolo, I know it's a, I know it's the trendy pick right now. But Richard Sherman comes over. We'll see if he can be healthy enough to contribute. But you know he's a veteran guy who has got something to prove and uh, maybe still has a little bit left in the tank to try and lead that defense. So I pick San Francisco. I think that's a pretty good pick. I think you could make a good pick on the Denver Broncos uh, because I think Denver has a really still talented defense. Let's say that uh, that Case Keenum is going to come in and kind of set their quarterback position back in a decent spot, I think you can make the case for the Broncos. Here's the tough ones. Would anybody make the case for, and these are the last place teams in the NFL in this past season, would anybody even attempt to make the case, and I'm throwing it open to you, Justin Cooper, and to you, Roberto, would anybody even potentially make the case for the Jets, the Browns, uh, or uh, the Chicago Bears, or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Those are the other last place teams. Anybody willing to make the case that any of those teams could go last to first? No way. All those teams are going <laughs> to – I mean, I think no the way. Bucks. you have to just completely throw that one out the window. I think there is a – like of all of the division uh, last place teams, 
I would bet most soundly on the Bucks having a virtually a 0% chance of winning their division. First of all, you've got Drew Brees of the Saints, you got Cam Newton at the Panthers, and you got Matt Ryan at the Falcons. you got three, I think the best quarterback division in the entirety of the NFL as we enter this season is the NFC South. And then you've got your starting quarterback in Jameis Winston on a three-game suspension. So I think there's a decent chance that the Bucks have to clean house, that they're a messy situation at the end of the year. Uh, and so I also think that, that the reports have been really a little bit scary, I would say, about Mitch Trubisky with the Bears. We didn't really get a great read on him last year. And I I don't know that there's a great deal of optimism this year that he can do, let's say, what Jared Goff did, which is have a little bit of a shaky first season. And then in year two, he looks like a completely different quarterback. And uh, even like so I think the Browns, even at 0 and 16, I think it's tough to argue why they'd be able to get past everybody else. But I actually like the Browns to win the AFC North more than I like the Bucks to win the NFC South, which I think is probably uh, the worst position of any of the last place teams. I feel the best about of all the teams that finished last last year. I feel like the Bucks have the best chance to also finish last year again, uh, finish last again this coming year. Uh, we'll continue to unpack this. Uh, we got a couple of different uh, stories to chase down in the NFL training camps. We'll discuss them as we start uh, the beginning of hour two. In particular, do we think Jerry Jones just coming out? I want to play that audio for you again and saying, hey, the Dallas Cowboys stand for the national anthem is a precedent that other owners could get behind to help put this story away. Is Jerry Jones basically taking over the job of NFL commissioner from Roger Goodell because Roger Goodell has been so silent on this issue. We will discuss, we'll play the audio for you at the tar- start of Hour 2. We'll also talk to my guy Barrett Salee, dive into college football. All that and more, Hour 2, coming up next here on Outkick, the coverage. Live from the Geico Outkick studios, which are in Washington, D.C. today. Had an awesome dinner last night. If you're uh, if you're interested in, uh, in how I spent my time in D.C., went out with uh, Dave Rubin and Candace Owen. Uh, it was pretty awesome. I mean, we had a, uh, a really uh, good dinner last night. I'm speaking uh, to about 800 high school kids uh, on George Washington University's campus as soon as I finish the show today. Uh, I think that'll be streaming somewhere. I'll try to tweet it out if people are interested. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. It's good to be back in D.C. I went to college here for four years, and, and the, the Sirius XM people have been phenomenal about hosting us here. I did the show up here. If you remember, if you're an old-school uh, Outkick listener, in December, I believe it was, I did the show up here for several days surrounding the Supreme Court's uh, decision to uh, to hear the sports gambling case. And I told you back then, I said, hey, I think this case is going to uh, be decided in favor of of the state of New Jersey, and it's going to open up sports gambling all over the country. And I believe now there's seven different states that allow you to gamble on sports and will allow you to gamble on sports next week when the NFL officially gets underway with its first preseason game. Now, everybody's rolling into training camps. Fingers crossed that your favorite players are not going to get hurt. That's the danger zone of uh, training camp in general. But one of the unresolved issues remains the anthem. And Jerry Jones, to me, over the last couple of years, has effectively become, I believe, the actual commissioner of the NFL. He's been a lot more comfortable coming out and making statements, even if they might be controversial, because I do think there's an element of when uncertainty exists and there isn't a great 
uh, way to make everybody happy, sometimes you just have to come out and you just have to make a decision. And indecision is actually the enemy of the process because indecision ends up making everybody angry and they stay angry at you. For instance, I like to play King Solomon with my kids. Sometimes they get into a dispute and you can't figure out who's to blame. And so you sit there. We play what I call Judge Daddy, right? Judge Daddy sits there when uh, my two oldest boys get into an argument and one of them gets to make the case why you know their side is correct and the other side gets to make the case. And then you issue, and by you I mean me, I issue a ruling. And they both. it's actually pretty fun because I'm, I'm turning them into incredible lawyers already because when we have Judge Daddy, one side gets to speak gets to make their argument, and then uh, the uh, the other side has to be quiet, then the other side can make their argument, then I can quiz both sides about their arguments, and usually what happens when that process plays out is that I can determine who is more in the right and who is more in the wrong. And the process itself of trying to figure out who's in the right and who's in the wrong is great, but it leads to a verdict, right? Like, hey, you're irresponsible, you're not allowed to play uh, Fortnite for the rest of the day. Hey, you're responsible. Minecraft is uh, is off. Uh, no iPad for you, right? That's basically the punishments that Judge Daddy will levy on a regular basis. You take away the Fortnite, you take away the Minecraft, those kids, they get in line fast. And so the NFL has had a curious void of leadership. And Judge Daddy ultimately represents, in my household, got to make a decision, right? Mom usually makes all the decisions, but when Dad gets involved, Judge Daddy gets involved. You got to have a leader of the household, you got to have somebody who manages to handle disputes, two different sides of the story, both sides upset. The way to handle a dispute is ultimately to resolve it. You know, you got to make a decision and then you have to implement it and you have to deal with the fact that everybody's not happy and then you move on. And that resolution is accepted and the situation is put to rest. What you don't want to do is live in a perpetual state of uncertainty where everybody is angry, where there's constant uh, constant fighting, backbiting, all of these other issues that basically have characterized the NFL over the past two years as we move into year three. You may not agree with him, but Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys who has taken that franchise from $68 million valuation to most recently over $4 billion valuation, the most valuable franchise in all of pro sports. And he said, look, the Dallas Cowboys stand for the national anthem. That's our policy. He said it right straight forward yesterday. Here's that audio. His interest in what we're doing is problematic from my chair and uh, I would say in general the owner's chair. Unprecedented if you really think about it. But uh, like the very game itself, that's the way it is and uh, we'll deal with it. We feel uh, strongly about uh, uh, how we deal with it and uh, uh, we'll do so uh, accordingly. But uh, uh, yes, I'd like, uh, everybody would like for it to go away. And Jerry Jones came out and he said, we stand for the national anthem here at the uh, at the Dallas Cowboys. And it's a direct answer. It's a direct statement. You may not like it, but his team seems to have acquiesced and agreed that that's what they're going to do. And the story is over so far as the Dallas Cowboys are concerned. That's what leaders do. 
They face difficult situations, make a decision that not everybody is going to agree with, that is going to get some blowback, and they move forward. And you can either agree or disagree with it, but an owner has to make a decision. The head of a household has to make a decision. Roger Goodell has not made any decision. And so Jerry Jones, the owner of the most powerful franchise in all of American pro sports, just steps right up to the plate and says, boom, my guys are going to stand for the national anthem, toe on the line. Nobody can stay in the locker room. That's our rule. That's what the NFL needs. The NFL needs for Roger Goodell to get the balls to just make a statement and say, this is our rule. And if you don't like it, you can deal with it. You can file a lawsuit and argue that you deserve the right to kneel during the national anthem, and we'll litigate that over the next couple of years. And you're probably going to lose because we had a policy in place that Roger Goodell should have applied beforehand. But ultimately, leadership demands tough choices. And if Roger Goodell is going to be so absent from this discussion now for a third straight year... I think what's happened is that Jerry Jones has become the de facto commissioner of the NFL. Like Jerry Jones just stepped right out into the middle of this big controversy, took a stand, and I think you're going to hear relatively muted criticism. Because I think your average fan is over this. And I think ultimately this is what leadership demands. A strong decision to put a case to rest. You don't want somebody waffling in the breeze like Roger Goodell has been for the last three years. The NFL's big policy announcement is, oh, well, you can stay in the locker room. And then the Miami Dolphins try to issue their uh, new revised anthem policy, and they kind of tiptoe up to it, and it's a mess, and they don't deliver it well. Look at what Jerry Jones just did. Nobody stayed in the locker room. We're going to stand with our hands on our hearts, toe on the line for the national anthem. Boom. (laughs) It's over. Roger Goodell hasn't done anything. Jerry Jones just walks right out, steps up the front of the tee, drives a 300-yard drive right down the center of the fairway, says deal with it. That's what sometimes what leadership is. Sometimes leadership, when it's an intractable situation and sides are not going to agree, Sometimes you just have to step up and make a statement. And that's what Jerry Jones did. And honestly, I think the NFL would be in better shape if Roger Goodell had done that from the get-go. I don't even know what Roger Goodell is doing now. Have you heard Roger Goodell speak publicly on anything in months? I don't know what this guy does every day. I don't know where he is. He's certainly not leading from the front lines. Showed up. Maybe made a couple of announcements, got booed the hell out of in Dallas, hugged a couple of guys. Haven't seen him since. That was back in May. What's he been doing the whole offseason? The NFL's been trying to avoid creating news about anything. I love everything about Jerry Jones just coming out and saying, hey, Dallas Cowboys, we stand for the national anthem. Nobody stays in the locker room. That's the rule. You don't like it? You can challenge my authority. Jerry Jones runs that ship. He's the CEO. He's the leader. He's a businessman. I'm going to make the decision that's best for my business. If you don't like it, then you can leave. I don't know why the NFL hasn't been willing to do this from the get-go. 
I think it makes Roger Goodell look insanely weak. And it makes other owners look insanely weak. Miami Dolphins come out with a policy. This is what the Miami Dolphins owner wanted to do. I don't even think Jerry Jones is going to get that criticized for this. I think most people are going to say, you know what? I'm glad somebody's finally resolving this issue. What do you guys think? Are you with me that Roger that that basically Roger Goodell's being usurped here and that Jerry Jones, and this goes back obviously to the Ezekiel Elliott case. Jerry Jones didn't believe that Ezekiel Elliott deserved to be suspended. He challenged Roger Goodell's authority then. I know Roger Goodell got his extension. He makes a lot of money. But making money doesn't mean you're doing a good job. And I think Roger Goodell has done a really bad job at making the most important decisions as the NFL commissioner. Danny G, are you with me that this is basically Jerry Jones just stepping in and taking over ownership of this issue and saying, hey, Dallas Cowboys. Now, I understand Jerry Jones is not trying to say I speak for the other 31 teams in the NFL. But if every owner just came out and made the exact same statement as Jerry Jones did, this story would go away almost immediately. Yeah, well, I'd like to start with a disclaimer. I'm on Team Laura when it comes to this. Um, I don't want this on the radio anymore. I don't want it in the league. If I'm an NFL player, I would choose to make a positive impact in my city and community's boots to the ground with my money behind me. It is his business, so in that regard, I like that Jerry Jones is taking charge of what he wants. But speaking of money, I've always kind of disagreed with you on your McDonald's worker analogy because NFL players are not McDonald's cashiers. They're multimillionaires, and as you know, Millionaires do not like being given ultimatums. They don't like being told yeah, but it what doesn't, to do. To me, it doesn't matter. You're an employee. Like if you want to start your I, own I, NFL, I get that. Like, but you've said it yourself. There's a difference between an average employee and a, a, an employee who's a superstar making millions. Correct. But ultimately, the important word there is employee. I, I can do things as the owner of Outkick that I can't do as an employee of Fox Sports Radio. Because I make every decision that matters for OutKick when it comes to payroll, when it comes to every possible decision for the businesses that I own. And that's the benefit of being an owner. But I'm also an employee. So when Scott Shapiro and Don Martin call me and they say, hey, can we do this? I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to try to do that because they're my bosses. And and ultimately, we're all on the same team. But that's, to me, this the story here more than the decision that that Jerry Jones just made straightforwardly, because I think he's basically said this before, is that there's a void of leadership right now in the NFL. Roger Goodell has vanished. They put out that policy right before Memorial Day about what they were going to do on the anthem. And then Roger Goodell, to my knowledge, has hardly said anything since. And now they've, uh, you know, like they're like, oh, we're going to have discussions. We're having, you know, like meeting. Well, I don't know what they're doing right now. And training camps are starting. A week from today, the games officially begin again. And to me, Jerry Jones just stepped right in and solved this issue for the Cowboys. I don't think, I don't think there's any story that's going to be connected to the Dallas Cowboys anymore. That's why the Dallas Cowboys have gone from $68 million franchise valuation to over $4 billion. Because there, there's a great line um, that I've seen applied in Facebook uh, and Mark Zuckerberg a lot. Um and, and I'm going to try, I might end up screwing up this phrase, but effectively it is uh, uh, perfection is the enemy of good. And, and I may have met, messed up that phrase a little bit, but it's an important lesson, I think, when you're moving fast. Perfection is the enemy of good. Uh, being good 
is oftentimes when you have a billion decisions to make, the right method and goal. Perfection should not be your goal. And I used to think about this all the time when I practice law. I could sit and work on a case for uh, a thousand hours, right? I could do every possible litigation tactic that was imaginable for a big client, and I could spend a thousand hours on it, let's say. And I could do everything you could possibly imagine. And that would be doing perfection from a legal process. Or I could do a really good job and it could take 220 hours. Well, as a lawyer, I think you want to go with the 220 hours because you got bullets flying all the time. And I think oftentimes people are paralyzed because they're trying to be perfect. And if you are in any kind of job, there's a lot of people driving into work this morning. If you're in any kind of job where you have to make decisions on the fly, if you can consistently make good decisions, you are going to be more successful than if you occasionally make perfect decisions. And this goes for anybody out there who has a high-stress job. I'm in D.C. right now, and there are a lot of high-stress jobs in our nation's capital. And part, I remember Barack Obama saying uh, one of the most challenging thing about his life was that he just had to make decisions all day long. And by the end of the day, the last thing he wants to do is make one more decision. So he doesn't even want to pick his tie. Doesn't want to pick what they're going to have for dinner. Doesn't want to pick where they're going to go for vacation. I sit and make really hard decisions all day. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking like if I'm Barack Obama back in the days. I sit around and people walk into my office and they make cases to me that are really difficult on two different sides of the issue. And if you've ever heard two really good lawyers argue, two brilliant lawyers who can make the case that their side is correct, you can watch one of them talking. You're like, boy, my decision's made. That's the answer. And then that person sits down and finishes, and then the other person stands up and they make the case, and you're like, I like that argument just as much as I like the other argument. It's like the Supreme Court, every decision the Supreme Court has to make, two of the best lawyers imaginable writing and arguing the cases in front of them, and very frequently is not an easy decision to make. And that stress over making that decision is overwhelming. Now, imagine that you had to make those kind of decisions all day long every day. That's why the president looks so much older when he leaves office than he does when he arrives for the first time. Look at those pictures of Obama. Look at those pictures of George W. Bush. Hell, look at the pictures of Lincoln back in the day. Age, a lifetime, over eight years, four years. Totally different way of living. The stress is overwhelming. Perfection is the enemy of good. You, there are so many people I see paralyzed all the time trying to make perfect decisions. Your kids, one of the things I tell my kids, like you're not going to be perfect with everything. Look at all the evidence, make the best decision that you can, and move on. you got to make decisions all day long. Perfection is the enemy of good. The NFL right now and Roger Goodell are trying to be perfect, and as a result, they've been awful for three years. There's not going to be a perfect solution. Jerry Jones says, screw that. I'm a businessman. I make decisions on the fly every day. I've looked at all the evidence. We're standing for the national anthem. Nobody's going to be in our locker room. Toe on the line. We're going to do it. So Dallas Cowboys are going to do. 
And if you make a lot of those decisions and most of them turn out good, the overall totality of your decisions leads to a really successful business. That's how the Dallas Cowboys have gone from $68 million cost when Jerry Jones bought them to over $4 billion now. Jerry Jones has driven the NFL business and many other NFL owners have climbed in behind him and said, yeah, look at what Jerry's doing. We should be doing that. Listen, all other advice is, if you have trouble fi- uh, making decisions, look at people who are good at making decisions and work on having their process. How do you make that decision? Why do you make that decision? How do you reach that? Perfection is the enemy of good. NFL right now, Roger Goodell trying to be perfect. Jerry Jones is good. As a result, I think he's basically taken over the job of NFL commissioner. I'm Clay Travis. We're going to talk with Barrett Salee next. College football officially underway as well. We talked uh, with Peter Schrager in hour one about the NFL. In hour two, we'll talk with my guy Barrett Salee. By the way, in hour three, we're going to talk with Casey Smith. She's at Barstool Sports. She's about to go on a yacht vacation for a week. I have no idea what that's going to be like. Also, she does a weekly podcast with Johnny Manziel now that he's moved to the Montreal Alouettes. What is the future of Johnny football? All that and more still to come on the show. I'm Clay Travis. Whatever you do for a living. Remember that lesson. Even if I screwed up the phrase a little bit, perfection is the enemy of good. I think Jerry Jones got it pretty damn good. I'm Clay Travis. Outkick the coverage from the Geico Outkick Studios here in Washington, D.C. This is Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. Uh, TrueCar shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Talking about perfection being the enemy of good. It's not quite perfect. Got pretty good hair. Uh, he is uh, Barrett Sully. He is down in Atlanta. We had him on uh, last week at uh, SEC Media Days. The Big Ten's been going on. Uh, the uh, the Pac-12 just happened out in uh, California, I believe. Everybody is basically ready now for college football and the NFL. And I want to start with this question for you, Barrett. We talked yesterday on the show about this uh, Big Ten network versus Comcast battle and the possibility that Comcast might pull the Big Ten network off of its uh, its programming, which uh, myself and, and obviously huge numbers of people nationwide, I think Comcast is the biggest cable company in the country. Is this a big deal to you, uh, this potential battle between the Big Ten and Comcast over the future of the uh, the Big Ten network? Yeah, I mean, it's a big deal as long as it's not a leverage play. This time of, type of, a time of year, usually you do get that. I mean, leading up to football season, you get a lot of, uh, of battles between companies to, to try to you know play le- uh, use their leverage to get the better deal. But, um, yeah, it's concerning uh, because you look at how these conference channels have operated. The Big Ten, I would say, has been the most successful one uh, in the sense that it, it led the way. And to have the kind of success it had as sort of the trailblazer, um, I think led the way to the SEC network and others having uh, some success and, and in some cases in the SEC's case, more success. So, you know, to have, you know, this kind of battle going into football season, I think it's one that Comcast almost has to win because, uh, you know, I think it, the, the, if they don't, then it could, I think, send ripple effects into what would be the new wave, which would be cord cutting or whatever. People would, would jump to that quicker and, and realize that, hey, you know what, it's, it's not that bad to have Hulu Live or YouTube TV because you still get what you want and you pay a lot less. 
Michigan has been making a big deal of the fact that they got Shea Patterson. I feel like if you're a if you are a bull on Michigan, you're an optimist. You've been selling, man. What Jim Harbaugh missed last year was just a good quarterback. Uh, Chris Felica, who I think you probably know and certainly mm-hmm. works on uh, College Game Day, tweeted this out a couple of days ago, and I grabbed it. In eight career games versus Power Five opponents, Shea Patterson has thrown 14 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Eight touchdowns, eight interceptions, 49 QBR, and was sacked 16 times last year in the five games he played versus Alabama, Auburn, Cal, LSU, and Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. Um, Is Shea Patterson overrated relative to expectations at Michigan? Without a doubt he is. Uh, It's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen, this idea that Shea Patterson is just going to come in and and be the superstar savior for Jim Harbaugh. It's, It's just not reality. Uh, people that, that think that, I think, don't haven't watched him actually play. Because last season, against winning teams, not just Power 5, just teams that had winning records, he threw two touchdowns and five picks, and those two touchdowns came against Auburn after they were down 35 points. Uh, he's a one-read-and-bail guy, and to have that lack of success against halfway decent teams with the best receiving core in the SEC and perhaps the best receiving core in the country last season is um, I think is very indicative of you know a, a guy who's overrated. Now you know he, he might fit better at Michigan. He probably does fit better at Michigan. But I you know this idea that he's just this savior for Michigan football and is going to come in and and immediately be a difference maker. There's nothing in his track record to suggest that's accurate at all. In fact, there's a lot to suggest uh, that he's going to be a letdown rather than than the savior. So. It's yet to be seen. I think when it comes to Michigan, they, you know, again, they might use him better, but everything we've seen from Shea Patterson at Ole Miss with a great receiving core um, has been has been rather disappointing relative to where he was coming out of high school in terms of high school hype. I, uh, I'm intrigued in general by Harbaugh and what's going to happen this year. I know you have not been a big buyer into what Jim Harbaugh has been selling. Neither have I. He's 1-5 so far against Ohio State and Michigan State. He was asked about that at the Big Ten, uh, the Big Ten Media Days, and he said, and I quote, improvement will lead to success, will lead to championships. That was his full answer. Is the bloom off the Harbaugh rose? That's the most non-answer ever. By yeah, the way. I know. It's Butch, Butch Jones is like, oh man, be uh, that 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 sounds beautiful. Butch Jones is like, man, I should have thought of that one. So yeah, no that kidding. On a note card. Um, no, it's uh, yeah, the blues off the rose. You know, this year is, is critical for him. I think if he wasn't Jim Harbaugh, like a Michigan man, if he wasn't the guy that they absolutely had to go out and get, uh, he'd be on the hot seat this year. But he's a Michigan man. He's the guy that they want to have turn around the program. So I get it. I mean, I understand why why there's not a ton of pressure internally on him right now. But that'll change this year if they don't win uh, and they don't beat the rivals. Because, yeah, Michigan is not a turnaround program. We've seen coaches turn around programs quickly. Urban Meyer, Kirby Smart, Gene Chizik, Nick Saban. You know, some of these guys have, you know, the ability to sustain success. Will Muschamp at Florida got Florida at the Sugar Bowl in year two. Uh, yeah, so went eleven and one. Right. Yeah, some of them don't. Chizik and Muschamp don't. But power programs don't take four years to rebuild. Like they they just don't do that. And this idea that Michigan was in just sort of some abyss of you know talent and and they were devoid of anybody who could run even a sub five forty. That's just not true. 
So after four years, if if he's not competitive, then I think he's you know he's going to have to answer some questions to people that paid a lot of money to get him, and, and as of right now, uh, clearly overpaid to get him because they're not getting a return on their investment. That that there are a lot of big early games. To me, the Michigan Notre Dame game is massive. Like I don't think last year, obviously Brian Kelly had to bounce back and prove that he still had still had it for lack of a better term at Notre Dame and had a very good season Um, and this year I feel like if Harbaugh loses week one to Notre Dame the long knives are going to come out and I think they're going to I think Notre Dame will win week one I think so too I think Notre Dame's going to win big in week one over Michigan and I I agree with you I think um, that that would that would change the discussion on Jim Harbaugh uh, very very quickly because if you lose to Notre Dame, and look, Notre Dame is going to be pretty good this year. I know people want to think that Notre Dame is either going to be great or awful and nothing in between, but Notre Dame is going to be pretty competitive this year. Um, but if they lose to Notre Dame, and then you have to look down that schedule and see Penn State, and you have to see Ohio State, and, and you kind of look around saying, well, where are the, where are the wins now? Wisconsin's on that schedule. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it would flip the narrative big time on – uh, on Jim Harbaugh. And look, I, I kind of relate everything that Harbaugh's doing now at Michigan to what Les Miles did the last few years at his tenure at LSU. And if you remember, that Wisconsin game in Green Bay for LSU, yes. when they lost, that really uh, sent Les Miles into a, uh, a a downward spiral. I don't necessarily know if it's going to be that quick for Jim Harbaugh, but if they lose to, to Notre Dame in, in Week 1, then... Yeah, I think a lot of people in Ann Arbor are going to hop off, uh, hop off the ship and say, "All right, look, you know, prove to me that I need to get back on this thing because uh, this is not what we're paying for." Three most likely teams to make college football playoff as we enter into this year. A lot of the names are going to be very similar. I'm going to hit each of them. You tell me what would have to happen for this team not to be the best in their respective conference. All right, let's start okay. with Alabama. What would have to happen for Alabama not to be the best team in the SEC this year? Lose to Auburn or lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game, and both are possible. Auburn's beaten Alabama twice in the last five years. Like the the idea that they're not scared of Alabama, that they're scared of Alabama, is just not true. Uh, they know how to do it. So uh, if they lose to Auburn uh, and or they lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game, uh, one of those two things happens, then Alabama's not making the playoff this year. Clemson. Clemson is a prohibitive favorite in the ACC. They seem to have created, I know Willie Taggart's in year one now, Jimbo Fisher bails on Florida State, but Clemson seems to have created some decent space between themselves and Florida State. Uh, Miami doesn't seem to be necessarily the same caliber of level of talent as Clemson. How much of a gap is there between Clemson and everyone else in the ACC? How does Clemson not make the playoff? Uh, there's a huge gap. I, I'd be floored if Clemson doesn't make the playoff. The only way they don't is if they lose like eight defensive linemen to injuries because they, they there's such a big gap. In fact, looking at the uh, the, the landscape right now, uh, the the biggest lock to make the playoff right now is Clemson. I, I, unless they start losing everybody up front defensively, I just don't see how that's possible that they miss it. Yeah, okay, let's go to the Big Ten, where Ohio State is the favorite. I think you can make a case for Penn State. Some people would make cases for Michigan. You and I would not be those people. Uh, Michigan State should be pretty decent. We'll see elsewhere. Uh, what do you see in the Big Ten? Is Ohio State the presumptive favorite in your mind? Should they be? They are in the public side, but they're not in my mind. I think Penn State is. I think we vastly uh, sort of overlook what Trace McSorley is. That dude's a gamer. He is a guy who is, is a leader. He knows what the offense expects from him. And Miles Sanders is a really good running back. And James Franklin told us 
this past offseason on, on Sirius XM that this is the best offensive line and the deepest offensive line that they've had by far and since he's gotten there. And leading up to this year, it's been more of a liability, except sort of last year when they were able to work through it. And now they've finally got the offensive line where they want. Miles Sanders is a good running back. Defensively, I think they'll be just fine. Um, Penn State, to me, is in my mind, is the favorite in the Big Ten, although I do recognize that I'm in the minority there. This is uh, this is fascinating. All right, we were talking earlier in the show about NFL teams we thought could go from bad to good. It happens pretty regularly in the NFL. If you had to pick a team right now that is not getting a lot of attention that will be in playoff contention in late November, what team would you point to? Bad to good playoff contention in late November. How about Oregon? Yeah, Oregon has a bye week before they host Washington in mid October, I believe. With, with Mario Cristobal and Justin Herbert, who's fantastic, was one of the best quarterbacks in the country when he was healthy last year, and a system that is basically going to stay in place, and Jim Levitt with year, in year two as the defensive coordinator. I think Oregon, especially if they beat Washington in, uh, in mid-October at Austin Stadium, I think they've got a chance to go into November with a playoff spot in line. Um, and even if they lose to Washington, sort of on the periphery in terms of, okay, if, if X, Y, and Z happens, they've got a chance. I think Oregon is being vastly overlooked. I think they're the second-best team in the Pac-12 North uh, right now behind Washington. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they made a run. Outstanding stuff, as always. Follow him on Twitter, at Barrett Salee. We'll talk to you again soon, my man. All right, see you, Clay. Thanks. Uh, that is Barrett Salee. I am Clay Travis, and he is Eddie Garcia. What's shaking in the world of sports, my man? Well, in the NFL, the Atlanta Falcons announced that star wide receiver Julio Jones is going to report to training camp today. The two sides reportedly agreed to revise his contract and adjust his 2018 salary. Indianapolis Colts head coach Frank Reich says that he expects quarterback Andrew Luck to play in the team's preseason opener against the Seahawks on August the 9th. Luck missed all of last season with a shoulder injury. On the baseball diamond, Phillies over the Dodgers. 7-3 Philadelphia now has a game and a half lead on Atlanta atop the NL East. Cubs over the Diamondbacks 2-1. Arizona still a half game back of LA in that NL West race. They also fall a half game back of Atlanta for the final wildcard spot in the NL. Nationals over the Brewers 7-3. Milwaukee now 2.5 back of Chicago in the NL Central. Mariners beat the Giants 3-2 and the A's down the Rangers 6-5. So Seattle still has a game and a half lead on Oakland for the final wildcard spot in the American League. And in the NBA, 41-year-old Vince Carter signs a one-year deal with the Atlanta Hawks next season will be his 21st in the NBA. The support brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Outstanding stuff as always. I am Clay Travis in the final segment of Hour 2. It's going to be the Animal Thunderdome. It's up next. This is Fox Sports Radio. Everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning. Pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add. Save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. Good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. Animal Thunderdome time, boys. Cue the music. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. I have a bullet and strict respect to my face. And you have a what? This is Animal Thunderdome. Danny G, take it away. Clay, what would you do if you had your family out on a boat 
in the lake, and a poisonous timber rattlesnake came slithering up onto the boat. This happened to a Knoxville, Tennessee family as they were vacationing in western North Carolina on Fontana Lake. Their 14-year-old daughter, of course, had her phone going as this timber rattlesnake made its way onto their boat. Check out this audio. Hey, oh, my God. That's a rattlesnake. <laughs> Is it really? Oh, my gosh. It's oh, my gosh. By the way, that is this is amazing audio. Also, what it sounded like when I was trying to ask girls to go to prom with me. Uh, just, just FYI, this is exactly what it sounded like when I tried to walk up to girls in high school and ask them to go to prom. Uh, so, so I have been dad, on Fontana Lake. Uh, have that you really? is, uh, oh yeah, it's a great lake uh, in Western North Carolina. Um, I have not seen a, a rattlesnake there. I would lose my mind if a rattlesnake was charging my boat. Yeah, you could also see the video. So Google that. The dad was quoted as saying, I was going to whack him. You can see him, too, in the video getting ready to hit this snake. But the snake was smart enough to know, uh, yeah, I probably shouldn't be here. All this screaming scared it away, so it made a U-turn and went back into the water. So they avoided having to uh, try to hit the snake in the head. I love also that even in moments of extreme peril, people keep their phones running now. Yes. It's like we have to share. I mean, how many times do you think, and this happens all the time now, where where people are trying to take selfies and they die? You know, like I, 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 I can honestly say this. I don't believe I've ever taken a selfie in my life. Like, uh, I, I just, I mean, I don't know why somebody, I've been in pictures, obviously, but taking a picture of myself, I mean, I'll take pictures of things, but I don't feel the need to put myself in it. But people are getting killed by animals. They're falling off cliffs to take selfies. I wonder how <laughs> often people die and, like, they are recording their death, right? I mean, it's unbelievable to me that as an as a rattlesnake is approaching you, you'd be like, oh, I've got to make sure I've got this. And you have to ask yourself, is that somebody you want on your squad, that they're more interested in filming it than having your back? I don't know. I, I would definitely want somebody to have my back there on the <laughs> great uh, rattlesnake pursuit. What else we got? All right, so uh, this woman in uh, Pitts Grove, New Jersey, her name, Tammy Dubois, she's 52, she uh, had an encounter with a rabid fox. It was biting her leg. Uh, she reached down with one hand to hold shut its mouth, and with the other hand, she strangled it. She, she's quoted as saying, I don't like to kill anything, but I couldn't do anything to get it away from me. The attack occurred July 18th. She heard rustling in some bushes in her backyard garden. She says the fox ran out, bit her leg multiple times, puncturing her skin, and that's when she reached down and smothered it. She cleaned and bandaged herself, or her leg, and then called her husband who took her to the ER where she began a two-week series of rabies treatment. So she choked out the fox? She choked it out. Animal control officers retrieved the dead fox and sent it to the state for tests, confirming last Monday that it indeed had rabies. Dubois is the only human attacked by rabid animals so far this year in Salem County, officials say. So her name is what? Tracy Dubois? Uh, let's see. Tammy Dubois. Tammy Dubois. Grove. The most famous Dubois. Does anybody know the most famous Dubois? No. 
Blanche Dubois. I believe oh, I'm correct about that Golden from a streetcar. No, oh. no, no, no. <laughs> a streetcar named Desire. I think somebody look up and see if Blanche Dubois, if I'm correct in that. Street, Tennessee Williams play. Okay. A streetcar named Desire. That woman had a little bit of brassy spunk to her. This woman just choked out. Choked it out. Choked out the fox. This is like the grandma we had in Georgia who choked out the uh, the mountain lion or something, right? You remember that story? Yeah, I do remember that. Uh, that That's incredible. So uh, big-time performance there. Anything else? That's it for this Thursday edition of Can we of play the rattlesnake video one more time? Because I did <laughs> really enjoy this. This is, <laughs> yes. this is the rattlesnake. This is what also- your house sounds like, by the way, when you have all three kids there. Uh, every day. <laughs> hey, oh, my God. That's a, that's a rattlesnake. <laughs> is it really? That is just absolutely fantastic. I like the idea of it being me asking the girls to prom even more. No cursing by the kids, by the way. Great parenting. Uh, Hey, that's actually a really good point. Well-raised children, they didn't curse. Dad didn't curse either. Dad was prepared to make a play if he needed to. Um, I, I would say a timber rattlesnake uh, in general. I'm, I'm anti-snake. I mean, I've made it clear that, uh, and, and I understand people are like, oh, we need them to make the world safe. No, we don't. Like, Hawaii doesn't have snakes, and last I checked, Hawaii's doing pretty well. I lived in the United States Virgin Islands, beautiful islands in the Caribbean. No snakes there, and everybody's doing pretty well there, too. I don't know why the world needs snakes. St. Patrick, I think he had it right when he chased him out of Ireland. I don't know if that story's uh, apocryphal or not, whether or not somebody like actually made a decision in Ireland not to have snakes and they ch- and they like just kind of killed them all. But I think Ireland does pretty well without snakes too. This is a total fiction that America and the world in general would not be better without snakes. Uh, speaking of snakes, uh, we will talk about uh, the NFL and all of the uh, the ridiculousness that's going on surrounding the opening of training camps. I'll dive in there for you, and then we'll talk with Casey Smith in Hour 3. All of that's still to come. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Hope all of your Thursdays are going spectacularly well. If you missed the first couple of hours of the show, well, shame on you. Should have gotten up earlier. But you can download the podcast. It'll be up uh, shortly after the show uh, finishes today. Um, And you can go search it out. Outkick on iTunes. Millions of the cool kids are doing it. Join the cool kids and you can have the Outkick podcast to hang out with. Hour three, Thursday edition. Um, uh, The NFL training camps are officially underway. We've been breaking down teams that we think can make the biggest swings back from awfulness to uh, to uh, talent to goodness, um, and uh, we'll talk about that. Jerry Jones has weighed in and said, "Guess what? Dallas Cowboys will be standing up for the national anthem." I asked the question, "Does that mean that Jerry Jones now has basically usurped the title of?" NFL commissioner from Roger Goodell as well. We have got uh, all of those stories kind of out there percolating. We're going to talk with Casey Smith here in the next segment. I am in Washington, D.C., my uh, college town. I'm speaking in about an hour uh, on uh, in front of 800 uh, high school kids on George Washington University's campus. That's why I'm up here. My thanks to Sirius XM for hosting us in the studio here, the Outkick Studios, the Geico Outkick Studios in uh, D.C. today. Um, And in particular, we ran through the fact that it is one week from today when NFL 
football will officially be returned on the field. We have a game to be excited about, which it seems like it's been forever. When you look at like the games that are upcoming and you click on the NFL, it's been so long in the future. Next Thursday, next Thursday night, we will have Bears-Ravens to discuss. And the NFL preseason will officially be underway thanks to the Hall of Fame game. Now, the next week will be NFL preseason week one. And there are a lot of games that will begin two weeks from today when everybody else pretty much will take to the field and start on a Thursday night to get ready for the start of the NFL season. And obviously, this is the time of year when there's a lot of uh, optimism, but also a lot of nervousness in that anything can happen because Injuries will be a major part of training camp. Injuries will be a major part of the overall storylines that surround the uh, NFL preseason. This is the only preseason where the best players in the entire league can get injured and not play for the entire season. And so I always view the entirety of the NFL preseason with a great deal of trepidation. We ran through this, and I want to go through this again for people out there who are just starting off. I want to get all of us on the record as our picks. I'll bring in the crew who we believe is the best and most likely team to go from worst to first. The great thing about the NFL is that there are tons of teams every year that have the potential as you enter the season to go from worst team in their division to best team in their division. Last year, nobody would have believed at this time of the year that the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to be anywhere near the Super Bowl. Next thing you know, Leonard Fournette comes together. They get just enough from Blake Bortles. That defense becomes uh, dominant. And they are as close as you can get pretty much from advancing to the Super Bowl and beating the New England Patriots in Foxborough. Team that nobody had any faith on coming into the 2017 season, and they take off and they get hot. Happens every year in the NFL. There is not one single team that finished in last place in uh, at the bottom of the Eastern or the Western Conference in the NBA that has any hope of contending for a championship. There's probably not anybody who finished in last place in the NHL that has any hope of contending for a championship. Certainly that's true, typically, in Major League Baseball, uh, college football, and also usually college basketball. The only sport where hope blooms eternal is the NFL. And so my pick, Houston Texans. I believe the Houston Texans last year, who finished 4-12, and if Whitney Merciless comes back healthy, J.J. Watt comes back healthy on the defensive line, and then, most importantly, Deshaun Watson comes back and is able to continue the effort and level of play that he put forward in his rookie season, I think the Houston Texans can go from 4-12 and to 12-4-ish or 11-5 and and win the AFC South, which is potentially going to be wide open, especially if Andrew Luck comes back and is healthy. So I think you can make an argument for the Indianapolis Colts in that same division, but I think the most likely team in my mind to go from last place to first place in their division to host a home playoff game is the Houston Texans. Danny G, who you got? I'm definitely going to go with the New York Giants, Clay. I think that Saquon Barkley is a game changer. He's going to take pressure off of Eli and open up their offense. They were, what, 3-13 and 13 last season? There's no way they finish like that this year. They're going to be at least 10-6. and six. Pat Shermer is their new head coach. He proved what he could do in Minnesota with the Vikings. I think he's a great fit there. And Odell Beckham Jr., this is uh, a big year for him. Obviously, he's coming back from that 
bad ankle injury. He's underpaid, but he's still showing up to camp, which is a very good thing for the Giants, except for that man purse that he was carrying around yesterday. Eli Manning, obviously we know what he's capable of, but when he doesn't have a good running back in the backfield, he's very limited. So that's another reason why Saquon Barkley is going to make a huge difference this season. Yeah, I like Saquon uh, to make a tremendous difference. I was saying during the summer, James Franklin was just uh, singing his praises to the high heavens, how talented and freakish of an athlete he is and what the difference-making difference making capabilities he will have. I, I love that pick. I think the Giants uh, could be. You know, If you look at what happened with Todd Gurley and the Rams, look at what happened with Alvin Kamara and the Saints, look what happened with... Leonard Fournette and the Jacksonville Jaguars and certainly with the Dallas Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott the right running back put into the right offense even though the running back position continues to be devalued can take a team to an entirely different level you saw what Kamara did for instance as a third round pick for the Saints and Drew Brees I think that you're right Saquon Barkley if he's healthy and with you got Odell Beckham Jr. back healthy, the potential for Eli Manning in that offense goes through the roof. I love what they potentially are going to be capable of. I wouldn't be stunned if they were able to go from worst back towards first. Anybody else in the crew, uh, Eddie Garcia, Justin Cooper was around earlier, uh, Roberto, anybody else want to go on the record right now one week before the NFL preseason officially starts with your worst to first predictions, any other teams out there? Well, I'll take the 49ers, uh, you know, finishing the year last year with five straight wins after Jimmy Garoppolo comes in as a starting quarterback. I'm not concerned about the issue with Garoppolo and uh, his uh, his dating uh, his dating choices. By the way, can we get uh, – we need to play the audio of Jimmy Garoppolo. Grab that so we can play it too because I love the line that he dropped. You're not concerned about who, who he's sleeping with. No, I'm just concerned about uh, how he plays on the field. You look at the NFC West, the Seahawks are descending – uh, it'll be nice to see if the 49ers can turn it around to see uh, that California rivalry hopefully get back into swing with the 49ers and the Rams. Uh, that was uh, pretty fun for a while there before the Rams obviously left for St. Louis. Uh, and uh, I will be pick San Francisco. And again, uh, Richard Sherman coming over uh, to try and uh, help the, the defense turn around as well. Yeah, that's certainly a hot pick uh, from a lot of people out there, given how Garoppolo finished the season with five straight wins, only started seven games overall. Uh, you're gambling on Jimmy G. I'm gambling on Deshaun Watson. Uh, uh, Danny G is gambling on uh, Saquon Barkley and the impact he can have for the Giants. What about you, Roberto? Any uh, team you want to draft with, uh, here? I'm like you. I'll go with uh, Deshaun Watson and the Texans just because that division is always like up for grabs. So you are piggybacking on on that team, by the way. We have got uh, audio. Jimmy G addressed his porn star date, and uh, it's pretty phenomenal. Here's Jimmy G. Life is different now. Um, my life uh, off the field, I've never really been big on, you know, uh, being very public with things, you know, even social media. I'm not out there a ton, but, uh, you know, my life's looked at differently. I'm under a microscope, and it's like Kyle said, it is a good learning experience. Uh, just have to take it in stride. I mean, it is what it is. It is Good what it is, experience. indeed. But the the, the uh, that we need to pull that clip because I think uh, again, Jimmy G saying it was a good learning experience. He's not when that you... funny, though, Clay. I don't oh, think such man, an amazing no, he, line. He, he did, I, it's yeah. funny to us, but I don't think he meant it the way I we're talking. Oh, no, I no. hope that he meant dating a porn star so. was a great learning. I His hope moves so now for the for the civilian girls <laughs> are going to be off the charts. Do you think he really has that sense of comedy though in him? I I mean, he just doesn't strike me as that sort of guy. 
I mean, I, I don't know. I know if I were in an NFL locker room, I would tell all my buddies, hey, I'm going to say that it was a great learning experience and keep a straight face, and you guys are going to lose it when you see this video, all right? So, uh, because then if people are like, what? I don't know why you're laughing. Like, I'm just trying to answer the question. You know, like, he has plausible deniability there, which is the best possible way to be able to slip in, uh, no pun intended there either, a, uh, a double entendre. It was just the tip, potentially, of uh, of what he uh, he was in intending to say there so it's almost like a training video yeah yeah uh i I love uh everything uh, everything about that um and the continuation of uh, of that story in general wasn't here last week when you were reading those those names uh of the movies oh yeah danny you missed a marconi award-winning uh breakdown i I heard it on the podcast all right you heard it on the podcast (laughs) i'll tell you what i was able on periscope and facebook because i don't have fcc restrictions to actually read all of the titles of those different uh of those different movies i mean it's amazing I, i i wrote about this the other day to me there is such a disconnect from the insane popularity of porn in this country right I, I'm sure you don't ever look at porn. Uh, anybody out there who's listening to us right now, I'm sure that you're way above such a, such a scurrilous behavior on your part. But somebody out there is looking at porn such that on any given day, at any given point in time, 40% of all internet traffic is porn in this country, right? Like, I mean, it is an unfathomable amount of porn that is being consumed on any given day. And when I look at the titles of all the movies that that uh, that that porn star that Jimmy G went out uh, on a date with starred in, the difference between that, like porn America, and perpetually outraged America, is mind blowing to me. Right? Like people are like, "Oh my God, I'm so offended!" You know, everybody's perpetually offended and triggered and everything else all day long, every day. And I think you have to make a decision: Are you on the side of porn America or are you are on the side of triggered America? I'm on the side of porn America. I like senses of humor. Like when I see all these titles and I can't even say most of them, almost every title of those movies that she's in would be triggering to people on social media. Like this is so misogynistic. This is so sexist. This is so racist. And I'm like, you know what? These porn titles are really funny. Um, so I can't even read them, but, uh, what's her name again? Kiara Maria or what's her name? (laughs) Kiara Mia. Kiara Mia, uh, full disclosure, had anybody ever heard of her before Jimmy G went out with her? No. Right? I mean, I, I, I had never heard of her at all. But her her internet traffic went up 38,000% after that TMZ story about going out to dinner with Jimmy G. Definitely she outkicked her coverage on that relationship. Speaking of outkicking our coverage, we're going to outkick our coverage, be joined by Casey Smith, who's about to go out on Yacht Week. She's been interviewing Johnny Manziel. What does she think about uh, the move to Montreal uh, with the Alouettes for Johnny Manziel? And in general, what does she think about Jerry Jones, the anthem decisions? He's a big Dallas Cowboys fan. We'll discuss all that more with Casey Smith at KAYC Smith. She'll join us next. Barstool Sports, uh, Casey Smith. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, the list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. 
I'm a confident guy. This is a confident show, especially we're doing the show from Washington, D.C. My thanks to SiriusXM for letting us use the studios here. Girl, I think, has done a little bit of shows on SiriusXM as well as doing a very popular podcast right now. She's Casey Smith at K-A-Y-C Smith. You can find her on Twitter. Casey, thanks for waking up early with us. This Johnny Manziel uh, show that you guys have been doing, one, it's blown up. Two, it's been a lot of twists and turns already in this Canadian Football League season, huh? Yeah, it's been wild. And, I mean, I, we just dropped episode seven this morning, actually, and I know you'll find this one pretty interesting because you lived it with me back in 2013. But he tells the whole story about missing the Manning Camp Academy, the whole fiasco, and he throws A.J. McCarron right under the bus. So it just dropped, like, 15 minutes ago, and he talks all about the SEC media days when he was there and how everybody was making a big deal out of nothing. And it's just interesting to be able to hear him talk completely uncensored about those things and then, of course, Last week, having Danny Amendola talking about the Patriots. I mean, I've gotten pretty lucky so far. It's been a blast. What does he say uh, officially now on the record about the SEC media days? For people who have forgotten, he uh, he overslept at the Manning Passing Academy, I think was the story, and he got sent home. Uh, what does he now say was the, the reason for why he got sent home? Yeah, he said that he absolutely overslept and that he took responsibility for it. But if you remember, Clay, it was weird because A.J. McCarron was saying that Johnny never showed back up at the dorm room they were sharing, that he had left where the camp was. And Johnny said that somewhere along the way that the counselors had gotten the idea that he had gone to New Orleans on a party bus, that he and Bo Wallace and some other SEC quarterbacks had gone to New Orleans. And he said when he got back to the room at 2 o'clock in the morning that A.J. McCarron was not there. He woke up the next morning. He had overslept. And by the time he got to the camp, his mom had already showed up and they were already sending him home. And he's got some pretty strong words about it. He's like, look, at this point, I would tell the truth. I own the mistakes that I've made. He's like, I did not go to New Orleans that night. And he talks about how he and AJ kind of had words about it in Hoover at SEC Media Days because AJ said he had his back. And then, of course, when the cameras turned on, that story turned completely different. So it's really interesting because you know, you're, you're six years removed from it. And he's saying, I, I did not go to New Orleans, but for some reason, AJ McCarron's that I was so it's it's weird to see the feud even this many years later I can't believe that's been six years now is that true yeah I, I think so I mean it was so it was what 2013 so five years because he won the Heisman in 2012 that's what's so wild is he's only 25 years old but it was six years ago that he won the Heisman so it's like he's super young but all that craziness feels like it was not as long as it was but yeah I mean I met you what seven years ago eight years ago that's crazy yeah, that is pretty wild. I mean, the Johnny Manziel, the fact that he's still so young is also a crazy part of this story. Do you think he's going to play for Montreal? Did you get any sense from that at all? Yeah, I don't think that he's going to start tonight. Their first game is tonight, and he has said you know, that he understands the expectations are high. The whole reason he was traded was because Montreal needs a quarterback. Mike Sherman, who recruited to A&M, is the head coach. But there's also the understanding that reality sets in. You can't learn a playbook in three or four days. So he is absolutely going to be their starter. I don't know how soon, uh, but you get a good sense of, of this on this week's episode that he understands that this is his chance. If he wants to make it back in the NFL and wants to prove to teams that not only he can still play, but he means business off the field and is going to kind of keep his life together, uh, that he's meeting that expectation right now. How have you found the podcast business to be? Like, you've done radio. Obviously, you're on live radio uh, with me now. You're good at radio. When we first met, you were doing radio. Then you moved into doing sidelines, television, video, and whatnot associated with that. So uh, how is the podcast business, have you found it to be? I know it's been very successful, but how have you found it recording-based and everything else to be from your perspective? 
it's definitely different. And I know you understand the difference between live and tape. I mean, I've been used to doing three hours of television a night in Boston, and then you go do a podcast, and it's like, okay, you sit in a podcast studio. I'm wearing yoga pants and my hair in a ponytail and no makeup, and then it's getting picked up by the TV shows that I would have once been on. That's what's crazy to me is how podcasts get picked up so quickly. Like last week, Johnny was not on. We had Danny Amendola, like I mentioned, talking about his time with the Patriots, kind of throwing a little bit of shade at Bill Belichick while also saying he's the best coach of all time. And you're just sitting in a studio talking, chatting, and then all of a sudden you turn on NFL Live or get up on ESPN and they're talking about what you said on a podcast because it's so easily accessible where you don't have to be tuned in live to it at the time to hear it. So anybody can access it at any time. And that's what's crazy to me is how popular podcasts have become, just like part of my take at Barstool. I mean, it's everywhere because you can access it at any point at any time. And that's really cool, I think. Uh, we're talking to Casey Smith at KYC Smith on Twitter. Go follow her uh, and let her know. Thank her for getting up early with us. So uh, I don't think we talked to you about the Jimmy G dating a porn star move. I know you're a fan of Entourage. This is an ultimate Vince move by uh, by Jimmy G. Uh, I was not we, nobody on the show, uh, and we're not we're we're not uh, porn star experts. But no, but we're not also we're aware that porn stars exist. Uh, none of us knew this particular porn star. Had you ever heard of her before? What was your reaction? Action when you saw that TMZ video? I had never heard her name before, but when I saw her, I was like, oh, that's the girl that did the Kim Kardashian spoof. Like, yes, a lot of that. people know like, her from that, yes. Yeah, like I remember that. I didn't know she was in her 40s either. Like, that was. She looks pretty good for 40, yeah. Yeah, I was like, Jimmy, well, like, I think my first reaction was to laugh because it's like Jimmy Garoppolo is so wildly good looking and he's yes. obviously young and made a ton of money and now he's living in California. And the fact that he took her to wine and dine her, like it wasn't like, oh, just come over to my hotel or let's go out to like a seedy club. It's like, no, I'm going to take you to a nice restaurant in Beverly Hills and wine and dine you. That makes me laugh because Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have to do that with porn stars. Yes. But I mean, that, it's just crazy to me. But hey, you know what? I want him to come out and say that he likes her or something like Vince did in Entourage. I know it didn't turn out well in the fiction part of it, but just be like, hey, so what? You guys don't like this. I like her. She, like maybe they're his girlfriend, whatever. I think that'd be a hilarious turn. Just be like owning it and saying whatever. I don't care what you people think. When he said in his official comments for the first time that do we have that audio, guys? I don't. I bet Casey hasn't heard this. Do can you guys grab the audio of Jimmy G addressing dating the porn star? All right, here it is, Casey. Listen to this. Life is different now. Um, my life uh, off the field. I've never really been big on you know. Uh, being very public with things, you know, even social media, I'm not out there a ton, but, uh, you know, my life's looked at differently and I'm under a microscope and it's like Kyle said, it is a good learning experience. Uh, just have to take it in stride. I mean, it is what it is. Good learning experience, intentional joke about dating a porn star or totally unintentional. Uh, I would like to say it's intentional, but I just, I don't think Jimmy G is making that intentional. I think that's like the total canned, like, Oh, learning experience. But I would love for him to be serious about that, especially after she put that Instagram story up about talking about having to pull her hair up. Like, I just, I would love for that to be the twist. A 90, what percentage of women who are single would date Jimmy G in America right now? You mentioned he's 26. He's incredibly good looking. I saw him out in Vegas at the NCAA basketball tournament this year. We were walking, uh, and by we, I mean I was walking in the Palazzo, and he was standing, you know how like really good looking people 
always seem like they're standing in the right light. Somehow yeah. he was standing. He looked like Prince Charming. Like there was like a, a nice like ray of light that somehow was coming. There's no light in the casino, and somehow Jimmy G is standing in like a bright light, uh, shining there. He looks like uh, he's always in the right light. And I was like, my God, this guy is really good looking. And I thought about getting my picture taken with him then, uh, because I was going to tweet out like two best looking guys in Vegas this weekend, something like that. But I don't know him, and I was like, ah, is that going to be weird if I get a picture? So I chickened out getting a picture taken with him. Um, but he was standing next to an incredibly gorgeous girl right i mean like it's vegas but drop dead gorgeous girl around his own age what percentage of girls and later that night he was at hakasan he had a table he was out with his buddies but what percentage of girls do you think would date him just signed a 137 million dollar contract living in san francisco the starting quarterback for the 49ers insanely good looking i mean i think it would have to be at least 90%. And the only reason I wouldn't say 100 is because I know there are girls out there that are probably like, oh, I'm just not into the spotlight. I'm just not into the super good-looking guy. Give me a dad bod, which is crazy to me. Because Jimmy Garoppolo is, I mean, he's obviously super good-looking, but he's also really good at football. So you would think that that would all kind of line up. But, I mean, it's got to be over 90. Like, set the over-under there. And I think that might even be low. All right, so you just mentioned the dad bod. Tom Brady had a shirtless photo go viral in the last, you know, several days. You're going to be on Yacht Week, which we're going to have to get to here in a second. But uh, how, were you a little bit disappointed that Brady was not in better shape? Be no, honest. it didn't surprise me. It really didn't surprise me. And first of all, like uh, working at Barstool, there's obviously a lot of guys that have maybe not full-blown dad bods, but maybe growing dad bods per se. It's not, it's not, it's not a place known for its ripped bodies for men. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, don't tell them that. That might offend, but it's true. I mean, we talk about dad bods a lot at Barstool, but like, we're looking at this picture and it's like, okay, if this is the standard for what people think is a bad body, like everyone else is screwed. Because Tom Brady, even though he's not ripped up like a, a normal NFL quarterback might look, he still looks pretty good for his age for the average person, but he doesn't lift weights, right? I mean, that's the whole thing with the TB12 is, like, he doesn't do a lot of weightlifting. It's all resistance bands, and he is almost 41. So it didn't surprise me, but then when you say it's Tom Brady, you're like, okay, it, it, it is weird that he doesn't have six-pack abs because he's won five Super Bowls. We're talking to Casey Smith. All right, so you told us the last time you were on that you were going on vacation this summer, and it was going to be something called Yacht Week. And I believe you were going, was it Croatia? I think yes. you were going to Croatia. So what is the latest on Yacht Week? And for people who aren't familiar with it, fill us in. So I leave tomorrow morning. So it's like coming up very quickly. And Yacht Week is basically a glorified cruise. You're on a yacht for seven days. You have um, five guys and five girls. And there's 30 boats that travel together around Croatia. They do them all over the world. They do them in Greece. They do them in British Virgin Islands. I'm taking the original route in Croatia. And it's your on a yacht and you sail together and you go at night to different places on land and you just sleep and live on this yacht. So I'm super excited. Actually finding eight different bathing suits has been my biggest struggle. And if that's my biggest struggle, I think it's going to be a pretty good vacation. So this Croatia thing, obviously, because they went to the World Cup final and you saw all the, the footage, I'm sure you did too, of people celebrating. Croatia seems like an awesome place to go visit. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I, I knew that from, I mean, I, this trip has been planned for about a year and a half now. Before I planned that trip, I had no idea that Croatia was as, as gorgeous as it is. Then obviously the World Cup, everybody kind of started figuring it out. And now I've talked to people who have been to Croatia and they say it's one of the most beautiful places in the world they've been. So it's like I'm going to basically what's on the screensaver of the background of your computer 
and I'm going to be on a boat. And they didn't win the World Cup, so that stinks. I really wanted them to win because I knew it would be an absolute circus over there. But, it, like, the spotlight on Croatia is so bright right now, and I just get to go lay on a yacht and do it. Like, I'm stoked. It's going to be amazing. All right, so eight bathing suits. I, my wife is, uh, like, an ultimate bathing suit, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, shopper and extraordinaire, too. But when you have to bring eight Break them down for me. Like, what is the, like, how do you decide what day to wear what bathing suit? How do you decide what type of bathing suit to go with? In, in, in the, take me inside the female brain and break down how you make a decision on eight different bathing suits. And also, like, how different are the eight? Are they all different? I'm, I'm genuinely fascinated by this because I have one bathing suit right now. All right. I have, or <laughs> well, maybe two. And my, one of my bathing suits is like 10 years old. And my wife was like, this bathing suit's too old. Uh, we've got to go get a new one and so I got a new one but I I give zero thought to which bathing suit I wear other than one of them had the netting in it and like I don't know about anybody else out there but for men I think netting is one of the most the worst inventions of all time like I'm a board short guy so my wife was upset with me but all the boys like were were complaining about their netting too so this past uh, summer like last month I just got the scissors out and sliced out all the netting for the boys because I think like putting yourself inside that net is like it's like a man being in a cage so I hate that (laughs) so that's my only real strong opinion on the bathing suit business but you've got eight break them down for me yeah, no, I mean, the difference between men and women's bathing suits is really funny. I mean, like, my boyfriend's in the past, my current boyfriend, like, he has two. And he's, like, pretty yes. good with fashion. He's like, listen, I don't need more than two. Um, but for the girls, like, I actually have no idea what the move is on when you should wear it. Because I just feel like, okay, I have to have eight bathing suits that I feel like look really good on me. And by the way, like, this is first world problems. Like, I'm sitting here breaking down bikinis to go on Yacht Week. Like, I... Like are they all bikinis right or do you have a hot one piece because my wife has like one or two really i didn't really believe they existed because i'm like yeah I, I don't really buy into them. and there are some really hot one pieces now i understand that have also become popular oh i definitely have some one pieces and then they have a thing i'm gonna throw a wrinkle in this for you clay they have a thing called a monokini where from the back it looks like a bikini like it looks like two different pieces but in the front it's somewhat attached whether it's like down the stomach down the sides or whether it's like uh, you know, lace or something like that. And if you have, if you don't know what a monokini is, just find Sofia Vergara in a monokini at some point on Modern Family. I'm sure if you Google it, you can find it. And she looks fantastic in it. And I remember seeing her a couple seasons ago, and I was like, I have to have one of those. I'm not going to look like her in it, but I have to have one. So I've got like two of those bikinis, a couple hot one pieces, and I'm just going to wake up during the day and say, okay, what what do I think looks best on me and how much do I plan to eat and drink today? And that's probably what I'm going to go with. The other big decision for women, I feel like, is what part of the boob are you revealing? Like, are you going Ooh. side boob? Are you going top boob? What's the current popular boob part to reveal? Because it's like it constantly changes. I'll talk to my wife about this, like side boob in this summer or not top boob. Like, what are we talking about in terms of boob revelation here? What's the I feel latest? Like everybody, everybody has their own, like, what they think looks best on them. I think that it's really, like, if you find a bikini that's like, oh, your side boob looks really good on it, then you rationalize why side boob is in for that day. Like, if the under boob is in for that bathing suit, then you rationalize that. And it, you're totally right. Like, for a long time, it was like, okay, just cleavage. Like, that's what you want. Then it was side boob. Now, I feel like it's pretty much anything. I mean, Russell Westbrook is out here showing under boob, <laughs> and he's not even a female. So it's like, you can just show whatever part of your boob you want, and you're fine, as long as some of it's covered. So bathing suits are made, like, they're, I can't imagine what they're going to be like in 10 years. But I've put on some bathing suits, you know, in my 20s now. I was like, 
who wears this? This covers absolutely nothing. This is something Jimmy G's girlfriend would wear on a date with him. This is wild. But everything goes with bikinis these days. It's pretty cool. All right. How panicked would you be as you are preparing? I don't want to. I don't want to give you nightmares tonight because you're leaving for Croatia tomorrow. What happens if they lo- you spend all this time to pick the perfect bathing suits? What happens if they lose your bag, or do you travel with the bathing suits and a carry on because you're like, I'm not even going to risk this? hundred percent a carry on. And the good thing about a trip like this is that because you are on a boat and you're in a bathing suit eighty percent of the time, all your clothing is really tiny. So the challenge that I have presented myself today is that I'm going to fit everything that I need in a carry-on because the fact that I could be on a yacht without any clothing or anything to have for eight days, because it's not like they can deliver your luggage to a traveling yacht in the ocean. Yes. Like I'm carrying everything on because I'm not risking it because even though I'm sure there would be plenty of people that would be fine with girls having to go naked in the ocean, I am not going to be okay doing that. So I'm going to have to make sure I have a bathing suit. All right, so you're going to make a lot of people's day with this. If they want to follow the Croatian Yacht Week from their boring desk jobs, they can follow you where on social media? On Instagram at Casey underscore Smith, K-A-Y-C-E, or Twitter at Casey Smith, and it's K-A-Y-C. My parents really made it difficult for me, but uh, we are going to have some Wi-Fi, so I am going to be able to post some, so definitely want to check in. I've got a lot of my single girlfriends going with me, so it's going to be a lot of fun. That sounds pretty outstanding. I know I, I, I said last question, but this is actually the last question. Dallas Cowboys. You are a big Dallas Cowboy fan. Jerry Jones came out and said, hey, the Dallas Cowboys are all going to stand for the anthem. Your thought? I think This whole thing to me is like we're going to have to wait and see what is happening during the season because the NFL seems to be putting all of these like rules in it, and Jerry Jones was verbal about it last year. If people want to kneel or sit for the anthem they're going to do it i think the cowboys are probably all going to do the same thing just because i feel like they were on the same page last year but we'll see it's all going to play out in this season and this whole anthem thing i'm so sick of hearing about it i'm so ready for it to be over with amen casey smith have fun on vacation Uh, they'll be following you i'm sure many people listening to you right now on twitter and instagram uh thank you for hanging with us sounds great clay thanks that's Casey Smith. Uh, let's bring in Eddie Garcia, find out what's shaking in the world of sports. Well, we'll start in the NFL, where the Atlanta Falcons announced that star wide receiver Julio Jones will report to training camp today. The two sides have reportedly agreed to revise his contract uh, and adjust his salary for the 2018 season. Indianapolis Colts head coach Frank Wright says he expects quarterback Andrew Luck to play in the team's preseason opener against the Seahawks coming up on August the 9th. Luck missed all of last year with a shoulder injury. In baseball, the Phillies beat the Dodgers 7-3 in a battle of division leaders. Philadelphia now has a game and athlete on Atlanta for first in the NL East. It was the Cubs over the Diamondbacks 2-1. Arizona still a half game back of LA for first in the NL West and now a half game back of Atlanta for the final wildcard spot in the NL. Nationals over the Brewers 7-3. Milwaukee now 2.5 back of Chicago for first in the NL Central. Mariners edge the Giants 3-2 and the A's beat the Rangers 6-5. So Oakland is still a game and a half back of Seattle for the final wildcard spot in the American League. The support brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Back to Clay Travis in the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. I, I jumped in I, I jumped in early there. I don't even know what that sound that was I was making. I was looking at WWE stock price. It's going up even again. Uh, final segment of the show of next. I'm Clay Travis. We're going to talk about the Jerry Jones decision and why I think he's basically taken away the NFL commissioner job from Roger Goodell. We'll close out with that. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio.
Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Find leading brands for your next paint or stain project in one convenient place, Lowe's. Brands like Purdy and Cabot, trusted by pro painters, so you can count on them too. All projects have a starting point. Start with Lowe's. Casey Smith just joined us. I'd encourage you guys to reach out to her. I'd like to tell you once a one one show, every show, try to pick somebody who is on as a guest. Casey Smith, K-Y-C Smith. Tell her to have fun on Yacht Week. It makes a big difference if people come on as guests, give up their time, Come on, hour one, hour two, or hour three, and you guys tell them, hey, enjoyed listening to you. Have fun on Yacht Week. That'll be our message for people out there. If you can go find Casey on Twitter at K-A-Y-C Smith, tell her to have fun on Yacht Week, and uh, thanks for coming on OutKick. Uh, Reach out to her on social media. I guarantee it makes a difference. All right, speaking of making a difference, the NFL, we're entering our third season of Anthem Controversy. Jerry Jones finally decided, you know what? I'm going to step out and tell you exactly what I think about this anthem business. He also weighed in on what he thought about Donald Trump getting involved in the debate. Here is Jerry Jones yesterday as the Dallas Cowboys started training camp. His interest in what we're doing is problematic from my chair and uh, I would say in general the owner's chair. Unprecedented if you really think about it. But uh, like the very game itself, that's the way it is and uh, we'll deal with it. We feel uh, strongly about uh, uh, how we deal with it and uh, uh, we'll do so uh, accordingly. But uh, uh, yes, I'd like, uh, everybody would like for it to go away. Yeah, and, and I think everybody would like for it to go away. But here is the deal. And I think this is a big point that a lot of people have missed. Jerry Jones is just stepping up and taking over Commissioner Roger Goodell's job. When he comes out and says the Dallas Cowboys are going to stand up for attention at the national anthem, toes on the line, nobody's going to stay in the locker room, he has made a rule. Maybe the rule needs to be in the NFL. Every owner can make their own decision about how they want to handle the national anthem. That's not necessarily a bad idea to think about. You got 32 NFL owners, all of them put them on the spot. You run your business. Does your community care whether or not your players stand for the national anthem? If the answer is no then you can have your own rule associated with the anthem. If the answer is yes, or you particularly feel strongly as an owner like Roger, uh, like uh, Jerry Jones does, then you can resolve it. Now, it still creates a larger issue probably for the league because everybody pays attention to the NFL as a national entity. And so if there are some teams doing some things, it can still have a negative impact on the league as a whole. But I love jerry jones coming out and just making a state decision making a declarative statement people can agree or disagree with it but it's not in the wishy-washy middle what the nfl tried to do with their most recent policy in may was have let everybody have their cake and eat it too you stay in the locker room or you stand for the anthem i think it's not a bad idea but it kind of just was a squishy middle it left everybody a little bit uncomfortable sometimes that's ideal in a compromise not ideal in this situation Jerry Jones just came out. He said, hey, you play for the Dallas Cowboys, you're standing for the national anthem, period. And his team respects him enough that he has taken a team that is worth $68 million when he bought them and turned them into a $4 billion company. And that's where personal relationships can matter. Jerry Jones seems like a good guy. He can talk to all of his players on an individual basis. He can listen to all their concerns and he can say, hey, I appreciate that. But as a business person, we need to be standing for the national anthem. That's my belief. This is my team. I've turned them from $68 million franchise into a $4 billion franchise. And that's what leadership is. 
It's making a choice in a difficult situation, telling people, hey, this is my decision. If you're uncomfortable with it, you can come after me. My decision, not my players, not anybody else associated with the team. At some point, the buck stops here. And you know Harry Truman had that on his desk. The buck stops here. And you know why? Because you have to make decisions at some point. Roger Goodell's got over 40 million bucks stopping there at his desk. And he's still not making a decision. Jerry Jones has become the de facto commissioner of the NFL because he is coming out and making a declarative statement. Whether you like it or not, my guys are standing for the national anthem. Nobody's staying in the locker room. That's how we do it here at the Dallas Cowboys. Boom. I think the story's going to go away for the Dallas Cowboys. I think he has addressed his market. I think he has solved his situation with the anthem. One fell swoop. He got tired of Roger Goodell not doing anything. Ownership is about making decisions. Being a leader is a make about making decisions. I said, there's a great line that I try to apply in my life. Perfect is the enemy of good. It's a lesson that everybody out there should learn. If you try to be perfect, you end up leaving behind good. Doesn't matter what you do. I learned this when I was practicing law. I could do a really good job and solve my client most of their problems and also save them a ton of money, and I could do it for a fraction of the time that I could do it to do a perfect job as a lawyer for them. Do you want good or do you want perfect? Because perfect oftentimes isn't an actual possibility. And if you're pursuing perfection, you very often live, leave behind good or even great. It's a great phrase. Perfect is the, uh, it, it, it destroys good. It is an absolute disgrace if you wait around for perfection. I think Roger Goodell's been waiting for perfection. I think that Jerry Jones said, let's just get it good. We don't need to have it perfect. We just need to have it right. And good oftentimes is better than perfect. It's a good lesson for everybody out there. I appreciate SiriusXM for hosting me here in the studio in Washington, D.C. I'm off to speak to 800 high school students. Hopefully, I will do a decent job. I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm just trying to be good. If I can manage that, I'll get invited back again. Everything will continue to roll. Show probably wasn't perfect today either, but I bet it was good. That's the goal every single day. I appreciate all of you. Thanks for hanging with us. Uh, Thanks to all the guests. Go thank Casey Smith. Thank Barrett Salee. And thank Peter Schrager from NFL Network as well. All of them were fantastic. We'll be back tomorrow. Props to uh, Jerry Jones for getting it done, taking over the job that Roger Goodell should have been doing for the NFL. This is Outkick the Coverage. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.